Sports Talk Radio every weekend night with Princess Cooper. Never had it so good radio now on 101.1 and it's 24-7, the world's best radio station. In this day and time, stereotypes are the false descriptions for all of humanity. James T. Deshay is the author of two great poetry books that attempt to describe life from a male perspective. It has been a common belief that men are unable to put into words their deepest feelings and spend most of their time focused on the surface of what life means. Thoughts, love, and reflections, and passion, desire, and contemplation take you on a journey that has very few travelers. Mr. Deshay has opened his heart and spirit up in ways that few have ever experienced. The depth of his poetry will have you reading his books and poems over and over again. You will find yourself using his passages to describe your own feelings to your family and friends. It is now time to put aside your thoughts and feelings related to the depth of men's thoughts and delve deeply into the words of James T. Deshay. Once again, he will put an end to your thoughts that men can't translate their heartfelt spirit into words. Both of these books will allow you to find comfort in the reality of the heart of men. You will spend hours trying to embrace the way men want to love and display their passion to the women they love. Don't be fooled by those books that create love through words of lust, vulgarity, and unhealthy displays of sexual activities you will discover the types of words that will allow you to rejoice in the future of what love truly means to men. Your book clubs and families will be able to discuss these words without fear. No one will have to leave the room. Both of these books can be purchased at jamestdeshay2.com and lulu.com. Feel free to reach out to the author at tlreflectionsjtd at gmail.com. This is James T. Deshay, the host of Thoughts, Love, and Reflection, brought to you by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. I have to let you know that this is one of the most important shows that I've done um, recently. You know, I just went over 600, but I am so happy and pleased uh, to have someone here with me today that I've known for a very long time. Someone who I know has been involved in the battle for equality for African Americans for a very long time, and I'm in hopes that we'll be able to get her on uh, in the future as well. I want to just thank you for being here with us, Miss Thompson, Senator Geraldine Thompson from the uh, Florida Senate. Uh, thank you for calling in today and talking to us about the fight for equality and where it stands as of now. And so I just wanted you to, to give you an opportunity to just share everyone with your background and your commitment to uh, equality. Well, uh, one of the things that I've done um, over my career is to try to open doors for young people in particular and uh, I was an educator in the schools here in Orange County and worked, I taught uh, in the classroom 
and then I worked as an administrator at Valencia College and initiated the college reach-out program because there were many uh, minority students who had the intellect to be able to attain a college degree, but they didn't have the money. And so I worked to make sure that they had uh, scholarship opportunities, that they understood that they could start at a community college uh, or a state college and then move on to a four-year college, whether in the state of Florida or without the, uh, outside of the state of Florida. And I also served as a member of the Florida Commission on Human Relations, which investigated charges of discrimination based on race and age and uh, gender and handicapping condition. So I've been working in the field for a long time uh, to create equal opportunities for people regardless of their background. Uh, Ms. Thompson, we have known each other for quite a while, and I've been involved in some of the issues and the programs that you've created to help minorities and to help people be inspired to move on. Uh, but as of right now, it seems that the fight it needs us to be just as strong and just as powerful and just as committed, even though we've been on the road for a long time. Uh, do you have an idea or a reason why it seems that the racial divide or equality still seems like it's a ways off? Well, I think uh, under our administration now in the White House, we have people who um, advocate um, division and where we used to want to be politically correct, uh, people are not concerned about political correctness anymore. And so they say things and they behave in ways that they would not have behaved otherwise. And so we get situations like Charlottesville, Virginia, where when uh, there was an effort to remove a Confederate statue, that turned into a riot and uh, resulted in the death of uh, a young woman there. And to have the President of the United States say that there were good people on both sides of that issue uh, suggests to people who might have been on the edge that whatever their thoughts are in in terms of divisions and exclusion, that they can then act on those thoughts. So it all begins with our thinking, and it begins with our speech, and then all of that leads to behavior. And so right now we're seeing behavior that people might have thought about but would not have acted on in years past. And it also seems that we have corporate businesses uh, that are displaying racist behavior amongst their management, even though it may not rise all the way up to the CEO, that these people are displaying racist behaviors and a lot of different corporate uh, establishments treating minorities as, as if they uh, are not truly American citizens. Well, I think part of that has to do with not having training for staff members and uh, having them understand that within a, a corporate uh, structure, 
that there are certain behaviors that will not be uh, tolerated and that are not acceptable and that you cannot create an environment within the corporation that will make um, potential customers or other employees uh, feel that they are not valued. And so I think it goes uh, back to not training people in terms of what the expectations are for uh, employment within corporate America. Well, Ms. T, when we initially, I shared with you while we were off the air that I had thought that because we had elected Barack Obama to two terms, that we had turned the corner in terms of our racial divide. But seemingly white America raised its head and decided that it hated that we had done uh, elected him and we're going to prove that we could elect someone who was just despicable and not presidential material. Well, I think uh, you're right in that there is some backlash to the fact that Barack Obama was elected president of the United States, and uh, the current president was the one who raised the issues to whether he was legitimate or not with regard to where he was born. Uh, He maintained that uh, Barack Obama was born in Kenya, but he was actually born in Hawaii, which is part of uh, America. Uh, so this has been brewing for a long time, and, and we are seeing a backlash to uh, his election, not once, but twice. And what what do you think is the answer, or where do we, how do we um, narrow this divide uh, under these present circumstances? Well, I think uh, some of the, the uh, strategies that were used in the 60s, we're going to see come back. Uh, We saw boycotts in the 60s, and there are people who are uh, proposing boycotts of Starbucks now. Um, uh, You have other options. You have Dunkin' Donuts. You have, uh, uh, locally, we have Barney's Coffee. I mean, if you you really are a coffee lover, there are a lot of other places that you, you can go. And so understanding that people were uh, prepared to boycott, Starbucks uh, has said now that they are going to provide training, but they're training all of their employees on one day, which means that it's likely going to be something on video or something online where people don't have an opportunity to ask questions. Uh, There won't be role-playing. There won't be an opportunity for people to really get into the subject matter. And so I think it's on the surface. Uh, We saw not long ago situations where you'd have uh, black dolls with ropes around their necks, nooses around their necks, and they were hanging from umbrellas. This was at a school. Or you'd have it at, at a business. And so the schools and the businesses had to address that kind of issue. And so some of those strategies from the 60s we will see uh, come back. And one of the questions I ask is how do African Americans or people of color demand to be pleased in a proper fashion? 
how do we, and I guess you're saying we're going to have to go back to uh, demanding and protesting uh, the violation of our civil rights when police officers don't even try to understand the situation before they just make a decision to always arrest African Americans and people of color, no matter what the situation might be. Well, when you look at uh, what happened in Philadelphia and the Starbucks situation, and even though the uh, chief of police there was an African American, he admitted that uh, he had not done enough to hold police officers accountable. And so I think it is something that spirals up from the bottom. And if you don't hold the officers accountable, they become bolder and bolder and bolder uh, in their behavior because they know that there won't be any repercussions. And when you can see people stopped for a traffic violation and not even driving but as a passenger and shot and killed and no one is held accountable, you have um, police forces uh, that do make those decisions and uh, they know that they're going to be able to walk away and very little is going to be done. And it's obvious to uh, us that this has been happening for a long period of time over the years, and uh, we um, don't seem to be getting a handle on how to curb the behavior of police officers and seemingly uh, people want to make us believe that it's our fault when we are being shot and unarmed, that we're not following the directions of these officers, which is putting us in harm's way. But And, and a lot of different ways these incidents have happened. What, what is your thought in regard to whether or not we are putting ourselves in harm's way uh, because we're not following their instructions. Well, uh, one of the cases that stood out, I think, for everyone was the case of Trayvon Martin. Now, here is a young man, 17 years old, is walking home to his father's apartment from a convenience store, and he has Skittles and iced tea. He's not um, assaulting anyone. He's not um, threatening anyone. He's just trying to walk home. And to say that it's his fault, which is what the lawyer, the um, the defense lawyer wanted to say, was that it was his fault, even though he was trying to avoid any kind of confrontation. He was, in fact, running away. But his killer walked away and was found not guilty. So, it no, it is not the fault of the people, it is a society that sees African-American men in particular as threatening and people act on those thoughts. And uh, as I said, it begins with the thinking and then it moves into words and then it moves into action. And so people are going to have to be held accountable before we're going to see some change. I have um, constantly said on this show that as an educator, I thought it was 
and important as a nation for us to have some kind of curriculum on humanity, uh, under helping young people from elementary to middle school to high school, even college, understand that their thoughts and their behaviors and their human traits have a negative, can have a negative impact on us as humans, and we have to look at each other as humans. Why is it that uh, white America has such a difficult time seeing the humanity in African Americans and people of color? Well, I think for a long time we've been viewed as machines. And uh, even going back to slavery, as human beings, we were machines in the cotton field, machines for manufacturing. Uh, And so we were not really viewed as humans. Last week I had the opportunity to bring to Orlando a sanitation worker who in 1968 marched with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And he talked about uh, picking up garbage in big metal tubs and putting those tubs on his head to carry them to a truck. Uh, He said that many times the bottoms of the tubs had rusted out and he would feel maggots crawl out of the tubs and into his shirt. Uh, They worked nine hours a day for a dollar and 25 cents. So um, African-Americans have been viewed as machines and not as humans. And not not a lot of people stand our history. And uh, we do have a law in the state of Florida that students are supposed to be taught African-American history and the history of the Holocaust, we are doing a a better job with the Holocaust than we are with the teaching of African-American history. We have events uh, like um, students celebrating the birthday of Dr. King, but a celebration is not instruction, so they don't know anything more about his life after the celebration is over than they did uh, before they got there. Uh, And this man, uh, whose name is Elmore Nickelberry, talked about the fact that in February, uh, February 1st, 1968, two garbage workers were sitting on the back of a garbage truck, and it started to pour down rain, and they moved further into the bed of the truck, and the compactor came down on them and crushed them to death, two men. And the city of Memphis gave the families of those two men $90 to help with their funeral expenses. So they weren't viewed as men. And so those sanitation workers put boards across their bodies uh, that said, I am a man, because people were not seeing their humanity. And so they went out on strike. They called for Dr. King who came and uh, was killed in Memphis in April uh, this month of 1968, so 50 years ago. So this is a problem that we have been fighting uh, and dealing with for a long time. And when it comes to race relations, I say to people that this is a marathon, not a sprint. And it's something that long-term 
we have to continue to work on. And there are many people who consider themselves to be living Dr. King's dream. And while you may be living the dream, you can't afford to be caught sleeping because this will come back uh, just as it has now. Well, we're going to take a short break, and we have a full board. Uh, Everybody's here, and and I'm happy that you're here. Uh, We're going to allow you to ask Ms. Thompson uh, questions or make statements related to uh, the things that she said. I want you to know that she is a valuable resource for any questions that you might have related to uh, equality of uh, race relations or of African-American history. Uh, We'll take a short break, and we'll be right back. You know I love music. And every time I hear something hot, it makes me want to move. It makes me want to have fun. But it's something about this joint right here. This joint right here, it makes me want to... Trying to get a meal 
uh, at another restaurant, and it seemingly we are going through a great deal of mistreatment as African Americans. Well, marvelous Monday to everyone, and uh, James, congratulations on 600 plus uh, shows. Uh, that is truly a milestone, and uh, may you continue to be used to help others uh, allow their voices to be heard. Uh, Ms. Thomas, uh, I want to say thank you for your service and your commitment, not only to making uh, our communities better now, but setting a foundation um, for our future as it relates to young people. So thank you for that. I do have a question. Um, Thank you. Uh, If you can help us, um, you know, oftentimes on this show, uh, James provides topics in which we discuss and um, we have a plan of action, if you would, uh, uh, taken away. And a lot of the times we uh, discuss how important it is to vote for people who are really going to have a concern for our uh, best interests and be willing to commit to the the path that it will take for us to advance. Can you assist us in identifying um, what techniques or what components do you think uh, would be helpful in making sure that our representatives and our senators actually take uh, our request uh, to heart uh, as we as a people, we get out to vote, yes, but what additional steps do you think would be beneficial to us in uh, uh, ensuring that all views and our voices are heard? Well, uh, during an election season, uh, you'll have candidates who have a website, and on the website uh, they will indicate their position on uh, various issues. So you can visit their website and see where they stand on issues such as immigration, uh, uh, issues such as privatizing schools, um, on law enforcement, on any number of issues. So I would recommend that people visit those websites, and then you have opportunities when there are debates to actually attend the debate and to hear the candidates so that you can make a decision about who is the person who is most in line with your thinking and the things that are important to you before you cast your vote. A lot of times people vote just based on name recognition. I've seen this person's name or I saw a television commercial, not knowing anything about the background of the person. So we're going to have to do a better job of doing some research to find out where people stand on issues that are important to us and important to our community. We're going to have to go to uh, debates when they're held, and we're going to have to question the candidates before we cast our vote. And then we're going to have to hold people accountable once they are elected. We have to uh, keep track of how they vote on certain things. And then if they are not in line with what we think is in the best interest of our communities, we need to vote them out of office. Um, Thank you very much. Very helpful and inspiring. Thank you. You're welcome. Ms. Thompson, let me just ask this point and get your feeling on this. I'm one who is against uh, term limits uh, because when I have a good person in office who I want to continue to work for my community, I don't necessarily want them to be out 
after two terms. Uh, what what are your feelings related to term limitations? Well, I belong to a number of nonprofit boards, and most nonprofit boards require rotation so that you can get different perspectives, you can get um, new energy, uh, you can get new ideas. And I think if it's good for nonprofits, why wouldn't it be good in the political arena? Uh, So I think that having term limits is good. It may not be two terms. Maybe that's uh, not long enough. Maybe it's three terms. But I think uh, that there is some value uh, with term limits. I think what we see in Washington, D.C. is a function of the fact that there are no term limits for members of Congress. Uh, They get there and they stay forever. And uh, they many times move to Washington, D.C., and they uh, they are separated from the people who elected them and who sent them there. And uh, they're not accessible. And uh, so you don't get action. You get dysfunction. You get inactivity because people know uh, that there are no term limits for them. Now, other people will say, if you don't like what they're doing, vote them out of office. Well, the incumbent has an an advantage because most of the uh, power brokers give their money to the incumbent. So it's very difficult for uh, someone to unseat an incumbent. So you get the same people who are there over and over and over again. And um, at the state level, the terms are staggered. So you don't have everybody leaving at the same time because people say, well, what about institutional knowledge? You don't want uh, people leaving and nobody understanding how things are done or what happened in the past, well, not everybody's going to leave at the same time. So the institutional knowledge is there because uh, some of the people who are going to remain there are people who've been there before. And we have institutional knowledge now in Washington, D.C., people who've been there for decades, and we still have dysfunction, we have inactivity, we have corruption, where we see some of our uh, elected leaders going to prison, Uh, So I I think that there is some benefit to term limits, but two terms may not be the uh, uh, amount of time uh, for um, for an individual who is in an elected position. All right. Uh, Dee, do you have any questions, or would you like to make a statement of uh, Senator Thompson, Geraldine Thompson? Yes, sir. Uh, Senator Thompson, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, uh, the Your presence is needed on this show on a regular, so I hope that you can find the time to come back periodically. I think what I want to do is spend my time uh, with you on the show uh, in in reference to the Electoral College. Yes. Uh, when you... When I, when I hear you speak about um, uh, Washington and, and the and the, be, the defects of character that that seem to be in place there, the the, the, the uh, dysfunction, uh, the the inaccessibility, and the inactivity, um, it 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 reminds me and it sickens me to think that we have gotten to a point, especially uh, uh, 
under this current administration and their era of exposure because it seems that a lot has come out uh, in the past uh, 17, 20 months. Uh, one of which is the fact that Hillary won by three and a half million votes. And it, it, it puts me to mind that the electoral process is part of this corruption. When you spoke about uh, how the power brokers uh, had or have the interest at hand and the congressmen that can't be voted out because they're in for life for the most part, uh, a part of this new narrative, or if I can call it that, or this new ideology that we're going to do what we think is best for our interests. And I'd like to hear you speak upon that, please. Well, there are a lot of people who think that the Electoral College uh, needs to be eliminated and that uh, presidential elections should be based on the popular vote. Uh, I was a member of the Electoral College in 2008, and when the popular vote in the state of Florida was cast for Barack Obama, then those of us who were on the Electoral College were directed to vote based on the popular vote and therefore cast our vote for Barack Obama. And uh, when there was a situation where you didn't have people who were educated, uh, people who were informed, people who kept up with what was going on, maybe the function of the Electoral College was more important then than now. And so there is a feeling that the Electoral College um, should be eliminated and the popular vote should count. Now, I, I ran for Congress in 2016, and uh, outside power brokers put money and uh, resources and people on the ground walking door to door for the candidate that they preferred. Uh, I am not part of the establishment. Like Shirley Chisholm, I am unbought and unbossed. And maybe that's not what appeals to um, the power brokers, apparently. So I think that we're going to have to begin, as I said before, to do more research, to be more involved, and not to be swayed so much by uh, the media and TV commercials and mailers that you know come in our mailbox, but to look at the background. Uh, of an individual and what they've done and what they've contributed or what they have failed to do and failed to contribute and to cast our votes based on that rather than just name recognition. So we have to take some responsibility uh, for those things as well. All right. Uh, let's go on. Um, Joyce, what, what, what questions or statement would you like to ask uh, Senator Thompson. Uh, good afternoon, and thank you so much for being a part of this show. I would just like to make a comment as to what you had indicated earlier about. Uh, I'm a true believer that uh, I think that there should be a term limit on, on all government positions. And the reason why I say that is because they tend to be stagnated, and then that's where uh, favor is. And you forget your platform as to why you were voted in by the people because then, too, I, I think you get easily bought that way as far as governmental officials. So I believe in it, and I, I think it's good. Tomorrow uh, there's a big um, 
there's a big uh, voting uh, term for uh, one of the positions here, which is very, very important. Um, uh, we need to outseat the, the gentleman who who uh, used his his power to ask uh, the females who work for him to carry his baby. And for that that reason alone, they got rid of him, and we have an special election tomorrow. So it's, it's very important, like you indicated, to find out what their platform are, how, how well they're there for what you're interested in. So uh, I really do believe in a term limit. So thank you very much. I just wanted to come in on that. Okay, you're welcome. Uh, Ms. Thompson, let me ask you something that seemingly is just in, incredible to me that we can even be at the point where we would even um, think of allowing teachers to carry weapons. I taught for more than 30 years, and I had a lot of responsibility during that year, those years to help my students and help them become uh, prepared for college. Uh, the last thing in the world I would like to be responsible for is carrying a weapon uh, and, and being uh, one of those on the front lines in terms of possibly firing that weapon uh, at a student or any kind of intruder. Where where are we when when that becomes a part of uh, the plan? Well, uh, talking with the classroom teachers, um, teachers are opposed to having to carry weapons. They have already uh, all kind of responsibilities. They've got to prepare lesson plans. They've got to follow a particular uh, curriculum. Uh, they have got to do uh, tests and grade papers and uh, make sure that students are prepared for high-stakes testing. They've got to work with parents. And in addition to all of that now, to be um, responsible for defending by use of a weapon, uh, defending their classroom is more than they signed up for, and teachers don't want that. Uh, I think if we're talking about making our schools safer uh, and you want to put more money into resource offices, that's a better way to go than uh, to arm teachers because even people who are trained with weapons miss their target many times. And we've had uh, some instances where we have teachers who unfortunately trying to defend their, their classroom, have shot uh, students. So uh, I don't believe that arming teachers is the way to go to make our classrooms and to make our schools safer. Yeah, I just find it incredible that that can even be on the table. Um, Cheryl, uh, do you have any questions or statements that you'd like to ask Ms. Thompson? Good afternoon, and how's everyone doing? Um, it is indeed a pleasure to have you with us um, this evening because a lot of the things that you're talking about is a lot, you know, we talk about this on a daily basis and the ideas and opinions, and it seems as though you're talking about things that is to make me feel that we have been on track with um quite a few things that you have mentioned. Um, it's always good to have someone like you 
on. And as he said, hopefully that this is not the last time because it helps educate us in many areas that we may have missed the mark on. And one of the things that you brought up is about educating um, ourselves as far as those that are running for office. And something that I had mentioned on the show and am doing is trying to get the church opened to be able to educate those that um, that are not educated on who's running for office. Um, because a lot of times, as you mentioned, you know, we go by the media, we go by what somebody who um, somebody else may prefer to vote for a familiar name or just names that's dropped. But if we become more educated, you know, knowledgeable about what the person stands for, then we'll know who we actually want to vote for when we go to the voting polls. But again, I appreciate, you know, you being here and um, with the information that you're giving us. And again, I hope that this is not the last time that we um, have your, the pleasure of your presence on the show. Thank you. Uh, Regina, you being an educator, uh, Ms. Thompson is a, a former senator for the state of Florida, and she continues uh, to be um, in the mix when it comes to helping uh, Florida go in the right direction. What What are your thoughts uh, related to education that we need our legislators to think about uh, in terms of getting teachers able to do their best job? Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. You you said what are what, repeat your question briefly, Jane. What what do you think our I'm, legislators should be focusing on in order to help the teachers do their best job instead of being so focused on kids robots? Well, what should the legislators be focused on. They should be focused on school safety. They should also be focused on um, creating an environment where teachers will want to work, where teachers will feel feel um, honored. Once again, bring back that to the area of teaching, where they will feel valued. Um, allow teachers the opportunity to do what they know how to do, which is teach. We're very data-heavy now, and everything is based on data. My job is based on the third-grade reading scores in the state of South Carolina, data we also know that in the state of South Carolina, third grade reading data is what drives the building of prisons. So um, there's a lot that need to be done to get rid of this teacher shortage so that we will have people here working with our children. But I believe it begins with, with valuing the teachers and letting them want to come back into this profession. 
Ms. Thompson, how, how do we create a different environment, as Regina talks about, where teachers truly believe that they are being valued as individuals uh, and have a and they're on the front line to do the best job that they can? Well, I think, uh, first of all, we need to pay teachers better. Uh, and uh, we have people who leave teaching, they go into corporate America, not because they are committed to whatever the job is, but because of the pay. And so if we want to keep the best and the brightest individuals in our classrooms, we're going to have to pay them. And there has been an assault on public school teachers for the last decade, questioning their competence, questioning their uh, commitment, and making them feel that they are not valued, uh, as was just mentioned. And so I think we've got to bring back, if we want to address the teacher shortage, if we want to address uh, retaining the best teachers, we've got to bring back to the system where teachers are held in high esteem and that it is considered a high honor to be a teacher. I think that, uh, and this is the state of Florida, I think that the objective over the last decade has been to privatize education in the state of Florida, to move public tax dollars from our traditional uh, public schools into schools, uh, whether they be charter schools or voucher schools, where you don't have to be uh, certified to teach you don't have to have the same credentials uh, as you are required to have in the uh, public schools, and there is no accountability. We've had situations in Florida where in certain schools there were no uh, books, uh, there was no library, uh, there were public tax dollars that were given uh, to schools, and nobody was accountable for it. And when those schools were required to shut down. We had one in Orange County uh, where the principal was the wife of the head of the board of trustees for this school. So when that school was required to shut down, uh, the principal got a, I guess, a severance package of like $500,000, and the head of the board of trustees got $300,000. And so they were really, in essence, rewarded for failing. And so I think that the objective has been to privatize schools and in order to do that, to have this appearance that there was some problem with those who were teaching in traditional public schools. So just as uh, the voucher schools and the charter schools have had a PR campaign, there needs to be a PR campaign for traditional public school. All right, we're going to take another break, and we'll come right back and continue our conversation.
Well, it seems that my board is not going to play my music, uh, so we'll go to you, D. D. Uh, uh, besides the question you asked before, is there anything else you'd like to to ask or statement you'd like to make to Miss Thompson? Are you there, Dee? Okay, let's go on to um, Cheryl. Are you there? I'm here. Um, right. I, don't I can't get through. I can't get through the D, so we'll go to you. Uh, in terms of what you think the legislators should focus on, uh, what what are your thoughts at this time about where our legislators have gone and where they failed us in terms of leadership? Uh, do you have any questions that you might want to ask Ms. Thompson about how do we uh, – uh, sometimes we talk about developing leadership. Um, one of the things that I, I, I see and I realize, you know, even in our political um, offices is the training. And we're lacking a lot of training, and it's overfilling and the things that they're having to deal with. And um, another thing as well as, you know, being in in office for so long, they just got lax in accomplishing the goals that they set off to say that they were going to accomplish. So I find that that's why we are in such a chaos. Um, state that we're in, you know, today. And um, one of the things, too, is that I'm really, really enjoying listening to you um, because you're definitely educating us on things that we need to be doing because um, we always can do, you know, more than what we are doing now. And this is really giving us the information that we need to move forward. Well, I'm, I'm glad Ms. to be Thompson, able to do that. Ms. Thompson, let me ask you this. Paul Ryan, to me, has shown a lack of leadership, not only in terms of uh, his office, but uh, his moral values. How can we reestablish where people are loyal to the country and not to the party? Well, uh, a lot of uh, people who are elected are more concerned about being reelected than they are about what's good for uh, the country. And they act out of uh, their self-interest rather than what's good for the people that they're supposed to be there to serve. What we've got to understand is that people who are elected are there to serve the voters rather than the other way around. And you have many people who they are elected and they forget that they're supposed to help those who are um, their constituents rather than to to help themselves. And that's where the corruption comes in. I think what you see with Paul Ryan, um, he now is has announced that he is not going to seek reelection, that he is going to leave, 
and you have people in Washington, D.C. now who are bailing out because we have, um, in terms of the party system, the party system is broken, whether it's the Republican Party or whether it's the Democratic Party. We have a broken system. And that's why you have more people who are registering to vote as independents because they don't want to be identified with either party. Uh, In the state of Florida, I think we need to begin to educate people, however, that if you register no party affiliate, uh, NPA, that you can't vote in the primary. You can only vote in the general election because only the parties can vote in the primary. So uh, I've had people, when I have run for office, and they will call and say, well, your your name, um, I can't vote for you. Your name is not on the ballot. I ask them, are you registered as a Democrat? I'm a Democrat. And if your name is, uh, if my name is not on your ballot, it's because you are not registered as a Democrat and you won't be able to vote for me. You can only vote in the general election. And in the general election in November, you can vote regardless of how you register, Republican, Democrat, no party affiliate. You can vote for whomever you want to vote uh, for then. But we have a party system uh, that unfortunately is broken. But, uh, Ms. T, let me ask you this question in regards to the party. You know, I'm one of those people who believe in voting in my best interest. And there's some people of color who suggest that we shouldn't be loyal to either party uh, but give um, forced parties uh, to work or to do something to re- to deserve our vote. But it has been my understanding since I've been involved with politics that the Democratic Party has sought to at least uh, deal with some of the issues that people of color have. So why should I talk or suggest that I might go to the Republican Party when they don't seem to care anything about the issues of the inner city and the issues of people of color in general? So, uh, you know, when we had our president say, why not give me a chance? And what what else you got? Uh, I'm that that offended me. Well, if we look at our history, um, many of uh, of people in the African American community started out as Republicans because that was the party of Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln was a Republican. He was considered to be the great emancipator. And so many uh, people started as Republicans, and during the Civil Rights era, it was then that the Democrats, who at one time uh, were not very sensitive to the needs of African Americans, but came around, and then African Americans began to register to vote as, as Democrats. So uh, I don't I don't think that it's about party, but it's about who, as you mentioned, uh, Mr. Deshay, who is going to be focused on what needs to happen in the inner city, what, who need what needs to happen to move more African Americans into the middle class to vote that way. Um, yes, I think that when Donald Trump said your schools are lousy and you have no jobs and 
your communities are in chaos, that was insulting. And as a businessman, what had he ever done to try to change that situation? What has he done as president to try to change that situation? But until we get to a point where we can choose individuals and we're more focused on the person rather than the party, I think we're going to continue to be uh, where we are. And where we are is even with the Democratic Party, we still have a lot of problems in our community. So you'll get people who are elected as Democrats who don't pay attention to what's needed and they don't fulfill their promises. And that's why I'm saying we need term limits and we need uh, to make sure that we get to the polls to vote some of these people out when they are not responsive to what our needs are. We need to hold people accountable and not just to say we're going to vote. I think we're taken for granted because people know we're going to vote a straight uh, Democratic ticket regardless. And when funds are available, when people contribute, let's say, to the Democratic Party, and the Democratic Party does not put money into um, our radio station, uh, they don't open offices in our community, we need to hold them accountable and not just be taken for granted that we're going to vote a straight Democratic ticket. It is it is interesting to me uh, that we find ourselves in this predicament because it seems like we had really come to grips with how powerful our vote was when we elected uh, Barack Obama. Why do you think so many people stayed home uh, this past election? I don't think that people were excited about the candidates that they uh, had to choose from. Uh, I, I don't think that people were excited about uh, Hillary Clinton. I don't think people were necessarily excited about um, Donald Trump. And so they simply were not engaged. They did not go to the polls, and they did not vote. And so uh, what we have is a consequence of our lack of uh, engagement. Okay, D, are you back with us? Joyce, do you have any questions or statements you'd like to make? Um, I, I would like to say too is that what 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 can we do to start uh, uh, getting our our people, uh, particularly our minority people, to start looking forward to people other than uh, older candidates, because right now I think what is going wrong, personally what I feel with the Democrat is that uh, they're looking, and it, it, we've discussed it on this show a several times about Joe Biden, and I've indicated that I don't think that would be the choice of the Democrats. We need some young people with young thoughts, some young ideas uh, to move forward. Uh, more than likely, they're going to associate uh, Mr. Biden with Obama. And if you look at the situation as to what we in or where we are right now, they don't want nothing to do with that. So for us to focus on, on getting him to be our, our person to put as our front runner, I think that would be a grave mistake on us, and it would definitely uh, would, would uh, throw uh, uh, us into a whirlwind of 
seeing another era of Mr. Trump if he's not uh, removed by that time. So I think we need to start uh, getting our young people, and how can we do that about getting our young people to be more involved, I mean, on our level, I mean, uh, on a local level, within, and not just within the school system, but in our churches, in our community. Actually, how can we bring them into our community, get community involved? Because I think if we start working as a community, we have more of a bargaining chip for the people who do come seek our vote. What can you do for our community to make it better? And then hold them accountable for that. Well, I think we have some choices. Um, United States Senator Cory Booker, I think, is uh, a young man who could bring a lot uh, if he were to consider running for president. Uh, So I I, I think we we have some options. Uh, Kamala Harris, uh, United States Senator, uh, is also – yeah, and also an option. So I think that we have a bench. We have some people who are being groomed and who are positioned, and whether or not they would consider running, because running um, nationwide is a very intensive uh, kind of uh, endeavor, and it takes a lot of your personal time and energy. Um, but I do think we have some options, and you're right, recycling the same people over and over uh, will always get us what we've always gotten, and that is not necessarily what we want. Thank you. I, I saw that on MSNBC and CNN. Those are my two favorite channels, but they're pushing Joe Biden uh, uh, for some odd reason, and I think that's a terrible mistake for, for them to do. And particularly, for, you know, you, you want to catch our young people's attention, and, and doing that is that, that, that he doesn't have our he, – he, he will not catch our young people the way that – and our young people are our future. Our young people are the one that we're going to need to step up and to make things happen. And those two candidates that you said they would be excellent. They're right on point. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, Regina, what 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 are your thoughts beyond education? Uh, can we look to ask people like Ms. Uh, Senator Thompson uh, to focus on to make America go in the right direction? Well, I tell you, it's it's been a, a real pleasure to sit here, and um, and I will say that I am still at work, um, doing data as a state reading coach. So I've been sitting here listening intently, and it has been a pleasure. I was um, Senator Thompson. I was just speaking with um, Senator. I'm sorry. Um, U.S. House of Representative Clyburn's daughter today, Jen Clyburn. Mignon? Mignon? Not Mignon. She, um, his daughter who is um, here in Columbia all the time. Um, but Mignon was here this weekend because we had the annual fish fry. The Democratic Convention was here in Columbia this weekend. Okay. But um, I was speaking with Jennifer and um, – we were laughing because we both have two years before we can retire. And we were saying, oh, my goodness, we are really going to have a good time when we retire because there are things that need to be done that we can't do during the day because, you know, we're at work. But everything that you said is so on point. 
And as someone who is not an elected official, but I am a community organizer, I want to thank you for being a trailblazer. And I want to thank you for being free with your information. If there's one thing that I can suggest, it is to get someone, put them under your wings, and teach them how to fly like you. Many times, because you knew you you knew how to fly because you got the seat. You won the race. Many times people will work on emotions. They will say things. They will do things, and they have not been prepared. So if I can encourage those who are in office to get someone under their wings, and teach them so that we won't have to ask who will lead, but the next leader will be waiting in the wings. I think that's that's what I can ask ask of of those of you who are presently in office. And again, I thank you for sharing this information on the program tonight because what you said and those names you called, these are people that we talk about all the time on here. So, so please come back, come back, please. Okay. And and you're absolutely right. Uh, we need to be grooming people. I say all the time, as an elected official, I've got now. Who's got next? And that's the question. <laughs> who's got next? Who mm-hmm. are we preparing uh, when we move off the stage to assume leadership and responsibility? So we've got to be uh, making sure that we are preparing people to come behind us. Ms. Thompson, let me ask you this. In terms of your thought of the future, uh, and during the time you were in the House of Representatives and then moved on to the Senate, uh, did you ever uh, see our nation in this type of chaos uh, we talk here on the show about how we've never seen Washington so dysfunctional. Uh, did you ever envision this type of dysfunction uh, across our nation? No, I, I absolutely did not. I never would have imagined uh, that we'd be in the situation that we're in now, where with less than um, a year, we, we've had so many instances of investigations and people leaving. Uh, it, it, it's just unimaginable. No, I never would have imagined that we would be in this situation, but I think it is a backlash to the election of um, President Barack Obama and our current president always comparing himself to President Obama and wanting to say that he is better in a number of respects and that he's doing a better job and, you know, rather than his own initiatives, trying to compare himself to uh, President Obama, I think is he's preoccupied with that. And uh, that has served to our disadvantage. One of the things... Um that I can speak to locally uh, is that 
we had our community um, seemed to be galvanized around the people who were involved in making changes. And so when we had Representative uh, Alzo Reddick and then you uh, came behind him and the others that followed you, uh, we seemed a, uh, like we were moving forward. Uh, but with our present situation, it doesn't seem like that holds true throughout the country. Well, I think we've uh, we've got to get beyond personalities, and we've got to look at um, what works for our our community rather than a particular personality. Uh, and and we as African Americans tend to be personality driven. Um, and if we don't have someone who's charismatic or whatever. We can't get excited. We can't get uh, energized. And so we've got to get beyond that. Um, right now, we have some people who can get the job done, but maybe they, they don't have the outgoing uh, personality that we want. And so we don't uh, support them. We don't get behind them. And so I'm hoping that we'll get to a point where we understand that it's not all about personality. All right, we're uh, at the last part of the show. We're going to, again, see if I can get a break in. My music didn't want to play before, but we're going to try it one more time. And then we're going to come back and ask everybody to have their final say. And I'm going to have to, um, I'm going to, have to get off. All right. Thank you so much, Ms. Thompson, and hopefully we can reschedule you another time. Okay, then. Bye-bye. Guys, I don't know what problem I'm having with my music, so I'm just going to go to you, Cheryl. Well, no, I want to go to you first, Cheryl. Uh, The board seems to be kind of wacky. Let me see. Is D, D, are you there? Can you hear me, D? All right. Uh, Joyce, what is your final thought for this evening? you so much for having her on that was that was a nice refreshing um um show today uh with that guest speaker uh i think we have to do a lot what she say we got to start uh really researching who we're voting for finding out whether or not they have the right platform so she gave some vital very good information because a lot of times we vote for just who we see and what they stand on TV with a commercial. Other than that, we have no idea as to who we're doing that checkbox with. So that's what we need to do. We need to uh, uh, research a little bit more, and if those are not good for us, we need to try to get them out of office. Thank you. All right. Regina, your final thought? James, I'm just going to say because there's so much, so much that I would love to say, but I'm just going to say thank you for um, having her on the show, and I look forward to her coming on again. Um, I will not be on the program tomorrow. We are doing voter 
registration canvasser training tomorrow. And um, just looking forward to trying to trump trump our office. (laughs) Well, hey, you got that right. We do need to trump, trump, trump him out of office if if we don't do anything (laughs) else. Yes. Uh, Cheryl, your final thought this evening? I'm, again, in agreement with everyone else. Um, I thank you very much for um, asking her to be a part of this show. She brought some great information, um, things that, you know, we talked about, enlighten us to um, reassuring us some other things and brought some additional things to life for us. So, you know, with all of that and with all she has said, you know, whatever we're doing, we can always do more. That is so very true. Uh, I, You know, it's amazing um, how your board seems to work perfectly uh, throughout the year, and then when you have uh, an opportunity to truly have someone on who has, been involved in the the fight for equality for so very long, uh, both as a uh, employee of a uni- uh, Valencia Community College and as an elected official. Uh, so it is just important for us to continue to have these kind of people on our show and in office so that they can get the jobs done that we need. Uh, I want to thank all of you for your continued support. Thank you for being here and asking questions and sharing your thoughts with us. That's what this show is all about. It's about sharing your thoughts, coming together and deciding on a direction for our country, and being part of the solution and not part of the problem. I want all of you to take care, and hopefully our Music will be back together tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern Time as we do our Tuesday show. Take care, everybody, and see you tomorrow. Mm-hmm.